It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this Wednesday. I'm Roger. And um, I'm here uh, today uh, with uh, Jeff uh, and the Autumn Fest calendar drawing. Garrett Manseri will join us. We'll tell you how that all happened, how Garrett Manseri made his way to the microphone this morning. It was a very uh, scientific um, a formula that I used. Anyway, tomorrow it will be Christopher Boulay. He'll be here, and he'll be doing his... Um, his normal Thursday visit. He's already sent me a few emails on topics we'll be t- discussing. And I uh, hope you can join us tomorrow. That'll be a live program. And on Friday, John Brian will not be here. Um, he will be back on December the 9th. But um, we will have a special program on Friday. Now, the reason I say special, Garrett and Jeff, is that's my way of saying I have no idea what I'm going to be doing on Friday. Right? So you'll figure it out by then. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> or just like I figured out today's show. Yeah. All right. Good morning, Jeff. What do you have for the Autumn Fest calendar drawing? Well, it's the November 23rd drawing, of course, including the Executive Auto Wash Package, six platinum washes, 126 value, and a three-month platinum car wash membership. That's $108 value. So you're already over $230 in value. In addition, today we see a $25 gift card for low general convenience stores and a $250 gift card from the Art Den. And today's winner is Mike Flinton out of North Smithfield, Rhode Island. Somebody from the Autumn Fest Directory will be in touch. All right, and before you leave, recipe for a good day at 9.05, sponsored by Lou General. Uh, I think it's tied into one of their uh, featured food items, uh, chicken, huh? Yeah, chicken roasters is an option uh, this year, provided by Little General Convenience Stores. They're on sale, so we're going to give you a chicken ro- roasted chicken with traditional stuffing recipe. In addition, a lot of questions coming through primetime talk about uh, squash and turnips. We're going to be covering that as many side dishes on the agenda today. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We'll be looking forward to that program at 9.05. We're going to have a a message, and then we'll uh, chat with Garrett. Gray Tree Boutique is your home for the holidays. It's a place. It's a feeling. No matter where your loved ones are this holiday season, give them a gift that brings them home from Gray Tree Boutique. 1725 Menden Road, Cumberland. For the holidays, how about glazed chestnut candles made right here in Rhode Island? Or triple-flavored wax melts of cinnamon rolls, apple pie, buttercream cupcake. Beautiful fragrances for your home this season. There's so much more in our store, including Christmas ornaments and gourmet goods like peppermint mock popcorn. Renee, Katie, and Jill invite you to visit us soon. Great Tree Boutique, 1725 Menden Road, Cumberland. Your gift-giving home for the holidays. All right, thank you. Grumpy's is where I'm going to talk about next. Uh, Grumpy's open tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day. As a matter of fact, um, we... um, we are going there for a Thanksgiving dinner uh, at Grumpy's tomorrow. They have a Thanksgiving menu. We see our uh, family uh, uh, after Thanksgiving when things are a little bit less uh, hectic. Have you, I don't know if you've ever had Thanksgiving where you have like three or four places to go. That's not the way I want to do it anymore. I want to go one place, relax, and then do some visiting on uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. Anyway, back to Grumpy's six ninety nine luncheons, including a half grilled cheese pizza for six ninety nine, or 
chicken tender lunch. This is good. This is four chicken tenders with uh, hand-cut fries and honey mustard. Absolutely delicious. It's a nice luncheon, $6.99. And we've got the buffalo chicken sliders and the pulled pork sliders for lunch at Grumpy's. And we're open seven days a week. And we do have, um, I was talking to Brian LaHousse the other day. We do have um, the uh, Thanksgiving Day menu, including a full Thanksgiving turkey dinner with all the fixings and a few other items. And then we have the regular Grumpy's menu. And here's uh, the final part of this message for Grumpy's. Uh, I want to tell you that there are no reservations required. So that if you want to go at 5 o'clock, you can. And they have a huge dining room there. Check us out. We are Grumpy's of South Bellingham. And we'll be open uh, tomorrow, uh, Valentine's Valentine's Day. <laughs> we'll be open tomorrow, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day. All right. I have one more, um, one more message, um, and it's for uh, Scott McGee, the real estate guy. Um, this is good news, uh, Garrett. I can't find his commercial. So, <laughs> and you're in real estate, right? Well, right. Uh, you can play it later, I guess, if you can find it. But <laughs> let me uh, let me let me try uh, uh, this by time here. I found it. Back in a moment. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. All right. Yeah. Uh, Scott McGee has listings all over the greater Winsocket area. And uh, the latest listing uh, that I've been uh, working with uh, is on Allen Street uh, here in Winsocket in that uh, Winsocket condo complex. And at uh, 235, uh, this is a very nice uh, 975 square foot piece of property. And it is um, one level. And it's got uh, the uh, 15 foot ceilings, the exposed bricks, the huge windows that provide the natural light, kitchen, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, plenty of cabinets for storage. Really a uh, nice, nice uh, thing to uh, check out. And at uh, 235, um, it's uh, something worth investigating. Give Scott McGee a call. All right, let's rejoin the Upfront program. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, uh, Garrett Mansuri is with us, and um, we um, we had four new council members elected to uh, the council. Of course, uh, Valerie Gonzalez and and David Susi and John Ward re-elected back to the Winsaka City Council brought four new councilors on, two brand new ones who have never had any council experience, and two who have had council experience. And so, uh, looking at doing an interview, uh, we're going to interview all the uh, new council members, uh, trying to uh, choose uh, which council member might be uh, up to date on the issues of the day, besides uh, reflecting on the past general election. And that was between uh, Mr. Uh, Garrett Manseri and uh, also uh, elected Chris Beauchamp. I flipped a coin. Good morning to you, Garrett. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I was the lucky side of the coin, huh? Yeah, you were the lucky side of the coin. All righty. All right. Uh, that's probably more of a story to this than that, but uh, that that's good enough for us. So, election night. Um, did you think... After having been through that last election uh, and um, 
not uh, the best performance uh, of your life uh, politically. Did you think you could lose this uh, election, or were you pretty confident that you had rebuilt your uh, brand and uh, said, uh, "I think, I think I've, I've got it this time"? What do you think? I think the best way to describe it was that I was cautiously optimistic. You know, I heard a lot of great things from people, and I had a lot more support than I have in in, in the past. And I certainly want to thank the voters that came out and voted, uh, and also my my supporters. And what I said to my supporters at at um, my local fundraiser was. I really need need your help, you know, because I've I've done all I can to put my name out there and to put what I can do for the city out there. But I need you, all of you, to, to talk about what we can, what the the change that we can make. So for anybody that kind of put my name out there and told people about what I what I could do as a council member, and also the people that put out signs for me, and you know, we had a great campaign team, we had a great campaign staff, and um, just that extra push, I think, really helped. Uh, you know, and you always kind of debate, you know, every single time, are you going to run with a team of people or are you not? And the advantage of running with a team of people is that you get hopefully some of that their supporters as well, too. You know, and people kind of question that and say, well, you know, you're running for city council and you should run by yourself. And I certainly understand that. But then, you know, you also have to understand that it is a, uh, a working environment that you need to be successful in. You know, I don't want to serve in a city council that doesn't want to accomplish anything. So to me, I wanted to be there with like-minded people that were going to also push for their agenda items and help me push my agenda items. You know, because, you know, certainly I don't, I don't need, you know, this title or that title or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm doing this because I care about my community and because I want to see progress ha- happen. So, you know, for me to take two years of my life, I want to accomplish things in those, in those two years. So, you know, uh, I'm going to be one of the more aggressive council people. I'm going to put in a lot of legis- legislation, try to get it passed. And um, I, I'm just thankful that the voters gave me another chance to do that. Cautiously optimistic is how he described it. So we'll be talking about Cass Park. We'll be talking about revaluation. Reval is next. And we'll be talking about, uh, you just said, um, a lot of legislation. Well, We'll ask you about uh, one or two uh, of the pieces of legislation you may have in mind. But on revaluation, the uh, reason I'm bringing it up at this stage of the program is because city council meeting, you you came to the council meeting on on Monday night along with the other three members of the uh, Monsocket uh, City Council newly elected. All four of you were there eventually. And so revaluation was, I mean, the mayor has... Uh, Mayor-elect Baldelli has been been here. She defended the reval process, said um, they chose the wrong company. And certainly Mr. Ward and Mr. Kanoya have said, if we only got the data sooner and so forth. And the reason I throw this at you is that uh, you're a real estate guy. You're familiar with uh, revaluation and so forth. So can you honestly, for a guy like me, put it into a perspective as to what went wrong with this valuation, and can you, as opposed to the ma- the mayor elect, and as opposed to Kanoyer and what, can you give a nonpartisan answer to this, or is this a political football? Well, oftentimes, Roger, you know, people will use any situation to turn it into a political football. You know, I think all the way around, we probably should have received more information and met something that I think we'll we'll take a look at at the council as to what the change is based on. You know, the amount of single family increase and then the amount of multifamily increase and uh, and the same thing with the commercial. Um, but I don't think that uh, I don't want people to be to perceive that we can make everything even and that we're going to see the same tax increase for single families than we will with multifamilies. You know, if single families have increased by 
50%, and multifamilies have increased by 70%, then it is true that multifamilies are going to receive a higher tax increase for that particular period of time. So there's not, we can't just say, okay, you know, it's going to be 50% across the board so that everybody gets an equal tax increase or a t- tax decrease. You know, that's not, that's not fair either. So, you know, there was a time, and I think most people know, that multifamilies used to sell at a lot less than single families, and they receive lower assessments than single families did. You know, and now it's kind of flipping the other way, where multifamilies are becoming more, you know, increasing in, in demand because of housing is just, you know, so scarce, and we're trying to find more housing units, and that's causing rents to go up and cause a lot of other issues that we're trying to deal with. So I, I can't say that it will be a, a fair across the board, but you know, we do do try to do revaluation every two years. You know, there's some discussion about going to one year. But in, in reality, you know, you just have to kind of make sure that it's fair and, and that people are being assessed at fair market value. And I can tell you, too, that, you know, even the assessments are very high, but those properties are selling over the assessments. I, I still haven't seen any properties sell at the assessment as to what people are being assessed at. So, you know, we, we will take a look at it. We absolutely will. And like I said, we'll do that analysis as to how much in each category has increased. I think that's something that we should add to our you know, agenda uh, every single time that we talk about the budget. Um, so we'll take a look at it and we'll see, make sure that it is fair based on how much each one has increased. Does that mean the 13 or 14 or 15 people who appeared before the city council eight weeks ago complaining really shouldn't have anything to complain about because uh, they've got uh, properties that are worth a lot of money and, uh, and just pay your taxes and keep quiet? Not necessarily. So again, you know, if you feel that your property in itself is taxed higher than other uh, other similar like properties, then certainly we encourage you to appeal and go through the through the process so that it's fair. But you know, if if there's three uh, three families on your street and they're all assessed at three hundred thousand dollars, and and yours is assessed at three hundred thousand dollars, I don't think there's not too much that we can do for you. But if yours is assessed at three fifty and you feel like the other ones are similar, then that's why we have the appeal process to go through. And now. I'd like to have uh, a little time uh, to talk about the John Dion Garrett Manseri syndrome. Now, what that means is that in listening to John Dion, he does not like you and has not liked you for a long, long time. I'm aware of that. Yes, I'm aware of it, too. And I kind of like, I listen and I just like shrug my shoulders and say, what the heck does this guy have against you? But the other day, the attack on you... I thought was unjustified because I think uh, I'm familiar with uh, how you do business. He claimed, he claimed, he charged that you sell uh, tax-producing uh, properties to nonprofits and therefore take them off the tax rolls. And I was trying to think of your project on North Main Street and and uh, also on um, Federal Street, Railroad Street. Railroad Street. I, I I couldn't think of a property that. Was tax producing that you sold to a nonprofit and was taken off the tax roll? So, is Mr. Dion's claim false, as I think it is, or uh, or is he right on target? Uh, he's, you know, he's going to shoot you down like a MIG. Uh, in the sky. Go ahead. So, so Roger, I do want to address that because it has been said that this city council is somehow not friendly to the taxpayers and that we're going to be awful to them. That's absolutely not true. And if you look at my record uh, serving on the city council, you know, I was faced with a five-year tax increase um, and we were able to turn things around with the administration and the city council that were there at the time. We stopped those tax increases and we actually lowered the tax rates before I left. 
So, you know, in terms of my real estate practice, you know, I, I don't have the control or the luxury of making people pay taxes. If they're tax exempt, they're tax exempt. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't say to them, you know, I can't work with you because you're, you're, you're not going to pay taxes to the city of Woonsocket because then I would lose my license as a real estate broker. So that's very important that people understand, okay? And then number two, it's not my goal to take properties off the tax rolls. I mean, I do commercial real estate. I obviously want lower taxes because it helps my business. It helps the city. It helps bring more businesses to the, to the community. So I want lower taxes. And I think this city council, I can't think of one person that wants to increase taxes. Okay. So I, I can't think of any property that I've taken off the tax rolls. I can tell you that I sold the Federal Street Church uh, to Beacon Charter School. So they did not pay taxes before. They will not pay taxes now, but that was not a decrease in the amount of money that coming into the city. I do work for nonprofits. I work for NeighborWorks. Um, I, I'm their commercial leasing agent, and I can tell you that they pay 100% of tax on their commercial units, so they're not losing any money. And when I do put a business into their property, they pay tangible tax. So that's actually more money for the city, not less. So, you know, again, I just don't know where that attack comes from. And, you know, I would challenge anybody to put out, put out those properties that, I, that I've taken off the tax rolls because I haven't. And again, even if I did, it wouldn't be my, my control to do that or my prerogative to do that. So Dion's thing was unfounded then, in your opinion. I mean, well, well, he didn't he, offer any factual to, to, to back it up. No, and, he didn't. And, and no, he just made the claim. There's no question about that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I wanted to uh, clarify uh, that because um, uh, I thought it was unfair. And um, and so, you know, he, he gets away with a lot of stuff, but I didn't want him to get away with that. All right. Now, let's move on to, um, to some other uh, matters. What um, um, we'll move on to Cass Park and then we'll move on to the Garrett agenda but um everybody says that um Cass Park is is on the mayor's agenda is it on your agenda as the top item or is it just part of the agenda of stuff that you're going to consider so i can't tell you that that is a top priority uh for the administration and also for the city council i can't think of again any council member that will uh, stop uh, this this progress that we're going to make, and I think the first step is, you know, there's been discussion about how much material there is to sell, and I think we need to, you know, get a definitive answer as to how how much there is and how much money we think we can get from that, and then um, uh, I can tell you that there there's no there's no support to use taxpayer money. You know, uh, I think we're very fortunate to have the amount of opera funds that we have. And um, I think that's a top priority for the city. I mean, I, I can tell you that through the, throughout the campaign, um, I heard many people talk about Cass Park and why it hasn't been finished yet. And, you know, people may say that, you know, we're not an obstacle to it and we want it to happen. But what have you done to actually move it forward? You know, <laughs> what have you done to bring it to the finish line? Because I can tell you, Roger, that I go around to the other communities. I see what Cumberland has and what North Smithfield has because my nephews play soccer at these at these facilities. And I can tell you when soccer is woefully uh, in, in, inadequate. I mean, it's just not, doesn't even compare to what they have. And to me, that's not fair. You know, we always say when soccer is this low-income community that we can't have this and we can't have this. Well, we can't have it. You know, we just have to, you know, 
do it and and make it happen. And you know, if you can do something like that, you know, it can have a dramatic effect on on the whole system. I mean, we all know that we have to raise test scores and we have to raise graduation rates. There's a lot of things that we need to do in our education system to make it better. And I think having these kind of facilities will do that. It will encourage kids to stay in school. It will encourage the community to come out and utilize the, these facilities better and and just make the community a better place. So I don't under, even understand why you would not have done it already. I mean, that that to me is, is baffling. How I left in 2016 and we were talking about it and it still isn't done now. But I can tell you that this city council and this administration will get it done as much as possible as we can get done in two years. All right. Uh, sounds like uh, Caspock is on the front burner. It is. Yeah. Ready for a phone call? Then sure. we'll take a break, right? Um, let's see. We have volume controls up. Uh, what would you like to discuss with uh, Mr. Garrett Manseri? Hi, Mr. Manseri. So, yeah, I did vote for you. And I, I wanted to get your opinion, and I don't know if you talked about this. I tuned in a little late. But mm-hmm. this idea of uh, safe injection sites, I don't even know if we have any in the city. But I just wanted to ask a quick question, a possible a follow-up on that. What's your opinion on that? So I probably have to get a little bit more information on on that because I don't exactly know how they operate, and I've never, you know, actually gone and seen one. So I I, I still want to reserve the right on on that until I actually can yeah. see one. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Oh yeah. No, I appreciate your honest answer on that. No. No. I'll, 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 okay. Cool. But on the safety complex, um, I'll be honest with you. I I, I understand what you're saying on that. I, I just I, I I just really don't. I. I I think it's a bad investment. I, I really do. Wait, I, I mean, can, and, and can I stop you for a second? Are you talking about the public safety complex or are you talking about Cass Park? Oh, uh, the public safety complex. Okay, okay so we're moving to and, the public Yeah, safety. we haven't talked about that yet, but right. look, go we ahead. Had, we go haven't ahead. brought that topic oh, up uh, yet, so we were a little bit... Uh, but that's fine. Right. Go so ahead, now yeah. it's being brought right. up. and So now your question, and then we'll get the answer from Garrett. No, my mistake. The Cass Park, then, the, the one that you were just talking about. Sorry. Oh, okay. So you were so talking about was, Cass Park. Yeah, my mistake. Sorry, I get these mixed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's. I, I really don't think it is. And, and I'll be honest, and I respect your opinion, but I just, I, I just, I'm not sure if it's. Is there any? And I'll be honest, it's a dead, dead serious question. Are there any facts or data to back up that it'll encourage kids to, um, you know, be more involved in school and you know improve dropout rates and, and stuff like that? I just, I'm very skeptical on the whole project. But I'll go ahead and let you answer. So I don't have any data to back that up, but I can just say that, you know, I know that kids look forward to those kind of things. And, you know, some some kids, you know, they really enjoy school and they love going and that's great. But you also need to do some other things to get them excited. I mean, I can I can speak from my perspective as the chair of the Beacon Charter Schools, and I can tell you that that's, that school has made it successful for those kids because they really enjoy going to that school. They enjoy the arts and the culinary programs that we have. So I think anything that you can do to get those youth engaged and, and actually wanting to participate and wanting to do well, because obviously you can't participate in any of those sports if you don't have the, the grades to back it up. So that, again, is an incentive for them to do well and to do their work and to get through the system. You know, So I think it's, it, it's better for everybody to have a more educated workforce and and to have a more educated population you know that that can go on and have better careers and um you know can generate the kind of income to support themselves so uh, that's that's why i see about, about it but uh, certainly you can talk more to the superintendent and to you know the athletic director to get a more sense of uh, the actual impact that it, it makes on it yeah no worries. i appreciate your answer i i will follow up um you know with an e- i did find your email i'll follow up an email on the other question so i appreciate okay. your time all right, sounds you good. Good. Thanks. All right, you're on the Upfront program on WNRI. Garrett Manseri, 
Council member elect is uh, our first of the four council members that uh, we'll be uh, interviewing in the weeks to come and uh, try to get to know them a little bit uh, more. Now, Garrett, we've had on the program a number of times, but uh, what we're doing is digging a little bit deeper here into his role as a um, council member coming in. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about what uh, you might have on your uh, thinking agenda. And uh, we'll see what... um, I happen to have um, some notes from when you did an interview with us on Mm -hmm. socket issues. And we'll see if some of those same things uh, show up. Hold me accountable over the next two years, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, back in a moment. At Brothers Disposal, you get unmatched services and superior customer support. They offer daily, weekly, or monthly trash pickups for commercial and residential customers. With years of experience, count on Brothers Disposal to provide you with the services that you need. They offer free estimates, too. Other services include roll-off containers. They offer weekly pickups for those customers with those big projects coming up. When you're in need of demolition or excavation work, there's only one place to call. Brothers Disposal. Bobcat Services available too. Call their family-owned Cumberland-based business today. 401-688-0517 for affordable rates. They're the ones you trust. 401-688-0517. The name of the business, All Tech Painting. We've been serving the Massachusetts and Rhode Island community with top-notch painting services. We want to be your one-stop shop for interior and exterior painting, plastering, drywall repair, power washing, wood staining, and so much more. And we do all this with the promise of 100% satisfaction using quality materials and the finest product you can be proud of. That's the kind of company we are. Have any questions or want a quote? Call 401-378-7765. All Tech Paint. Of North Attleboro, ready to serve you at 401-378-7765. Skilled craftsmen, ready to work for you. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, open today at noontime. That's right. Open today at noontime. Closed tomorrow. Thanksgiving, Savini's is. And uh, we're serving a nice lunch. And what we like when we go into Savini's, not, it's not what everybody likes, but the salad and soup bar is available. And then I uh, I think it's five dollars. And then you add a protein. And that could be um eleven dollars, could be uh, eight dollars, could be nine dollars. Meatball, you could add a protein as a meatball or my wife's like salmon. Um I like uh, I like chicken. You can add steak tips. They're delicious. And uh, then you go to the salad bar as often as you want. Um the way that they've got the salad bar price, they cannot make any money when I'm there because I eat so many pepperoncinis. Have you ever, uh, do you eat pepperoncinis? They're very, very a little, little spicy for me, yeah. Little, but... yeah right. <laughs> so I must have like 20 of those. Oh, my right. God. <laughs> right. That's a, you know, so I go to the salad bar, I hardly have any salad. Right? Lots of water. Right, yeah. Yeah. Just eat those pepperoncinis one after another. But anyway, as much soup or bread as you want and and salad. And then, you, like I said, you add the protein, the chicken, or the steak tips. Hey, we are Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. You can get chicken family style anytime. Close tomorrow on uh, Thanksgiving. But we will be open for noontime on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Open all weekend long. Savini's Pomodoro, Italian Kitchen and Bar. 
was nice uh, chatting with uh, Jill Moylan yesterday and getting all the details on um, on their hours for the weekend. But we do want to tell you, no Savinis tomorrow. They're enjoying Thanksgiving, just like uh, the rest of us are. Let's get back to the Upfront program. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hello, Mr. Manseri. How are you doing? Hello, Roger. I'm good. How are you? Good. All right. Let's um, let's talk about <clears throat> what you were uh, thinking about uh, in terms of uh, of legislation. Uh, first of all, I uh, I just want to give you my opinion. I never necessarily judge a council member's performance by the legislation that they they uh, introduce mm-hmm. uh, because it's not always uh, appropriate to introduce uh, legislation, um, but it is appropriate to uh, read the agenda and the packet that comes with it. And that packet is a lot of reading. Let me tell you, I've, it is, yeah. I have uh, read the uh, a packet and, and there are not too many council members, I think, that come to the meeting that have read that full packet. Now, I'm not going to talk about the current council, mm-hmm. uh, but I do know a couple do, and a couple don't. So are you a packet reader, sir? You're on. <laughs> I do read all the legislation, whether it's, you know, 20 pages or 100 pages. So, you know, uh, we get a couple days to read it, to read through it. And um, and it's something that we have already talked about is if we're not prepared to vote on, on a particular issue, um, we will be tabling that, that issue. So that's very common um, sometimes when something is pretty lengthy. Um, even though you might have time to read it, you might not have time to understand it and ask questions of city employees and that kind of thing. So there will be a lot of tabling um, if something is lengthy uh, so that we can have a couple of weeks to actually go through it and do the research necessary. Let's talk about what uh, you will be tackling. Uh, is the charter one of your uh, one of your issues, or is that uh, somebody else that's going to be uh, working on that? Maybe the mayor will be uh, saying introducing something. I don't know. So uh, the Charter Review Commission will be appointed by the mayor, so the council doesn't have any say as to how that's done or, or who, she, who she picks. Um, so that will be done by them, and we will certainly will review their, their suggestions. But um, I also want to encourage people, even if you don't get selected, I mean, obviously, it's a very limited amount of people that can, uh, that can do that. But they will be having, they should be having public hearings um, where you can come and share your input. So I will do my best to attend all of the public hearings so I can hear what people have to say. And then if you want a specific change, you know, just reach out to one of us and, and ask us. And because even though the Charter Review Commission will make certain suggestions to us, it uh, doesn't mean that we're going to put all their things on there. We'll put some, some of their things on there. And then we'll also put uh, some of our own things on there as well, too. So we have our own thoughts as to what needs to be changed or what should, should at least ask the people to change. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be participating in it. The charter uh, made uh, provisions legally for the mayor to be recalled, and she was recalled. And so my question to you is, do you think the charter should have a recall provision of some kind, but not quite as easy uh, as it was um, in in the last um, uh, period? I mean, we saw how easy it was. One council member makes a complaint. I think 50 signatures. I mean, it doesn't really take much to uh, to cause it. But on the other hand, what happens if you've got a bad mayor? Uh, should the charter have a more complicated recall procedure? 
So I think uh, there, there's two actual recall provisions, and there's one that's the public uh, the public can do it, and I think that is a pretty fair process as to how that goes. I mean, obviously, the people vote you in, and the people should have the right to remove you, so I'm, I'm totally fine with that one. And um, in terms of the council's ability to remove the mayor, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I understand that there needs to be a process in terms of if the mayor violates the charter, then I think there should be a removal process as to how we go about that. I think the timeline... Is, is way, way too tight. I mean, obviously, it's a very different situation if the mayor is charged with one charge versus, you know, 20 charges. I mean, I don't think you should be deciding within 30 days. I mean, like I said at, at the public hearing, you know, that, that typically would take several months to go through all those charges and to go through all the witnesses being subpoenaed and that kind of thing. So I think there needs to be a more fair process for that. And then um, I'm also uncomfortable with the legislative branch taking over the executive branch. You know, so to me, it should be more like the federal government system where if you impeach a president, then the vice president takes over. So I think there should be some kind of a director of administration position that would probably take over in that in that because you never want to have a situation where the legislative branch can benefit by removing the mayor because we don't want to have a situation where something gets passed and that particular ordinance can't can't actually be accomplished. And then they say, oh, the mayor violated the charter. And then the council puts in one of their people like that. Just it doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel like that's the way government should be working. You know, if you're elected by the people, you should have that right to, to have that office. But then if you violate the charter willfully and also, you know, uh, with, with a legal legally written ordinance that is, is accomplishable and you don't do it, then I understand there needs to be a removal process for that. But I just don't want to have an incentive for the legislative branch to take over the executive branch, which which is basically have, has happened for the last couple weeks here. So, Sandra Wright says she does every day. I campaign for Mayor Lisa. This is uh, Sandra LaFrance. She signs her name. Always voted for her, and despite the charter drama, I believe she works hard for the city of Woonsocket. And having said that, it seems the seven candidates who hopefully... Uh, they don't share one brain. Um, Garrett is young, energetic guy with big ideas, wishing him success in the new council. Hope he does good for the city. Action speaks louder than words. Happy Thanksgiving from Sandra. So what about this? Um, I, I do think it's important for, for you, but it's up to you to make the statement about independence. Mm-hmm. Because certainly you were painted... <laughs> On both sides, mm-hmm. when uh, when the when the campaign literature came in from Lisa supporting you guys, it looked like you were all like one brain, as she said. <laughs> and then the opposition, you know, when uh, Ward and Kenoya, they looked like one brain. So I know you personally. Um, so let's declare your independence, if you if you can, uh, in in some way, uh, intellectual independence. Go ahead. If you so, want. So just to summarize all of my campaigns, you know, I have run for city council five times, okay? I have run on teams two of those times, so that shows that I'm not just this automatic vote or this automatic person supporting people. Yeah, you fell out and, of favor, right? <laughs> <laughs> and to, to, I can tell you, and like, like I've said before, you know, there's an incentive to run as a team. You know, I, we, not only do we share each other's supporters, hopefully, but we also share expenses. I mean, campaigns are expensive, you know, and it's hard to raise money, especially when you work full time. And, you know, it's hard to ask people for money. I mean, people are still struggling with, you know, the cost of gas and, and groceries and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's hard to get as much money that you need to get your message out there to people. But, you know, I think the mayor knows me well enough to know that, 
you know, she can certainly lobby me and she can talk to me about any issue and I will always return the call and speak to her. And the same thing for the other council members. I will always talk to them. I will always communicate with people, but I'm going to vote my own way. And, and I think everybody knows that who truly knows me. I mean, some people will call on the radio and say I'm going to be a puppet or whatever. Those people have never met me. They've never talked to me. They've never engaged in me. They've never worked with me on any of the committees. So they don't know who I am. And they're certainly entitled to criticize me. That's what you get as an elected official, and that's fine. But um, if anybody actually wants to know who I am, I'm happy to share that with them and share my independence and what I thought I would think will do is best. And I'm not afraid. I, I, you know, if you look at my record, there there were some votes that I took that were one to six. Okay, and I don't care. You know, if I if I feel like that's the right thing to do, I'm going to do it. And I can tell you that even though we've run as a team, there has already been disagreements. There's already been things that we're trying to work out and try to come up with a compromise. And that's what I agreed to. You know, I, I didn't agree to the uh, a solid yes vote on every every issue. I don't care whether you gave me zero dollars or a thousand dollars. That doesn't mean anything to me in terms of how I'm going to vote and how I'm going to represent the city of Woonsocket. So I got two real estate like questions for you. Sure. Um. Let's see, I've got to find the news story for the second question, but I'll do uh, the first question. I asked this of Mr. Ward when he was here yesterday. Uh, 1800 So, do you know of rents higher than $1,800 in Woonsocket? Have you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, 2200 Can you think of a $2,200 rent in Woonsocket? So, the penthouses on Railroad Street are 2200 Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> And a lot of people complaining that they can't afford their rents and so forth. So I asked him about the terrible real estate topic of rent control. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's necessary in some areas. Mm-hmm. And is it going to become necessary to at least put a cap on rents here? Or, as I said to Mr. Ward, is this truly a free market question? So I think that's a challenging uh, answer to, to, for me to answer because I know, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a big supporter of the free market, but I'm also a supporter of, you know, people being able to afford living. And I'll just give you a quick example. Um, you know, I recently sold a property in, in Woonsocket and um, it was owned by an elderly woman and um, the rent that she was charging for the apartment was about, you know, nine, 900, 950 uh, for that two bedroom apartment. A new buyer came in and purchased the property and up the rent to $1,700. And, um, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. I mean, as much as I want to support, you know, people being able to charge whatever they want to charge for their apartment, there's also got to be some some reasonable uh, accommodations for what people can afford. So I'd have to do more research on the actual specifics of rent control. Um, but I think, you know, there needs to be some kind of, I don't know. I mean, I just wish that we could work with people and people were not, looking for that kind of money from people because I you know as a as a landlord I would feel terrible about charging that kind of money because I just don't I don't feel like that makes people live well you know I mean when you're spending uh 50% 60% of your income on housing you know I would feel very compassionate for those people and and feel like we need to uh, do something to create more affordable housing for people uh to to make it work for them you know you're saying your answer is more a matter of conscience than legislation yeah, I, I think I would talk more to the landlords and try to have a more conversation about what what the real cost is and how we could do, work as a government to make it more uh, affordable for them to operate their property. 
Um, certainly everybody wants to make a profit and that's great, but um, you shouldn't be doing that at the expense of causing people to lose their apartments. So, When you consider uh, moving on to the other real estate question, uh, consider the Woonsocket Motor Inn mm-hmm. and consider Holiday Inn Express. We had an incident over there uh, with a guy with a knife. Yep. And he was there. Uh, as a matter of fact, the two people involved were there courtesy of Community Care Alliance renting mm-hmm. space there. So now I'm going to take a news story and I'm going to substitute Woonsocket instead of um, mm-hmm. State House and Dan McKee. So here it is, and you have to deal with it. Activists are again calling for city aid for Woonsocket homeless population. They want Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt and the Woonsocket City Council to provide shelter beds for anyone who is living outside. Protesters who gathered at City Hall say only a small number of people have been offered emergency shelter. They say hundreds more are out there. What? So this is the homeless issue in Woonsocket. Mm. And uh, is this a li- only Linda plays um, in, uh, in her office in City Hall? Is this only Community Care Alliance? Is this only uh, social service agencies? Or is it a city council issue? So I can tell you that we, we have already had discussions about this, um, you know, and we've seen that this number continue to grow. And I can tell you it will be a city council issue. Uh, we are not going to stay silent on this issue. We are not going to be inactive in this issue. We are not going to pay for a couple of rooms during the wintertime and then say to people that we're actually accomplishing something. Um, so we're not interested in short-term solutions. We want to actually come up with some long-term solutions. I think the money is available. Uh, clearly the state has the funds to, to make something happen. And um, we need to have a better working relationship with the organizations that are on the ground doing the work. Um, You know, it's kind of shocking to me that you would try to come up with a solution and not talk to the people that deal with it on a day-to-day basis, you know. So we are going to have probably work sessions. We might even have subcommittees on on this particular issue. So I think, you know, uh, we, we are all committed to working with the people that have done this work and will come up with a long-term solution to make sure that everybody has those kind of basic necessities and basic needs met. What about the concept, if they're homeless, shelter for everybody, 100%, or are there some of that population that um, need another answer? Well, certainly you can't force somebody to live a certain way, but I think if somebody wants the help and needs the help for a short amount of time, I'm willing to help them do that, and I'm willing to come up with a solution on how to accomplish that. So, um, you know, like I said, I can't, I can't force somebody to, to do that on their own, but if they, if they want to have a safe place to live, if they want to have um, a good job that pays them well, um, I will help them do that. Is and, it permanent or temporary? Uh, I think you have to do both. You have to come up with some temporary situations, but you also have to come up with some permanent situations. You know, that's why I'm a big supporter of the higher education center. I think those, those kind of things are necessary so that we can get people the skills that they need to have better careers so that they can pay for their own um, living situation. But I think we do need to come up with some ideas temporarily to help them out in that situation. I meant permanent housing for, let's say, the guy at, uh, at the Holiday Inn Express, oh. who is probably... Got better accommodations than you had last night. Is that a permanent? I mean, do we keep them there permanently? 
Well, that's a conversation that we can have as to whether it should be that property and, and how we should go about work, doing that. Um, I think the bigger question is who is going to come in and, and run it and, and how are we going to uh, maintain the funding for it. So I think those are the conversations that we need to have as to you know how, how we can do it, where we can do it, and who's going to fund it. So I think we need to have those conversations as to how to do it. Does uh, Garrett Minceri have an agenda before we take a phone call? Do you have an agenda going into... Uh, the first uh, four or five meetings of the Woonsocket City Council, we are a member, but not the city council president, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any news to report on that, Roger, so we'll, we'll keep you posted. I'm, as I'm looking goes. for a scoop. You know, when the I know when Ma- Mayor-elect Baldelli Hunt, she gives me scoops once in a while. You're going to give me a scoop today? I'll give you a scoop that uh, one of the new people will not be the council president. So I, uh, I just right, let me two people from the, from the ranking. All right, who are they? <laughs> Brian Thompson and Scott McGee. So they they are new, so they will not be council president. And John Ward. (laughs) Don't forget to throw him in there. Yeah, he will not be. No no offense there. No, no, no offense. So so that's three from seven. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so, so you're still part of the four. I, I would say the discussions are, are ongoing at this point. So <laughs> we're going to enjoy Thanksgiving with our families and whatever, and then we'll come to some finality. Uh, okay, we'll let you off. Uh, the uh, Garrett Menseri agenda. <laughs> so, yes, I do have an agenda, Roger. Uh, I've already met with some city officials and trying to come up with some things that we can work on. One thing that uh, I'm very close to is the downtown Overly District, which I think has been very successful, and I want to expand that and make it larger. So we'll take a look at South Main Street and River Street and Hamlet Avenue and try to see, you know, how we can make some of those other properties, um, you know, incentivize them to uh, to build them up and, and to uh, invest more money into them and bring in more businesses. Um, so I want to take a look at that. I also want to take a look at uh, making uh, go- city government more online and accessible. So uh, we have an awful lot of licenses and permits that are not online yet, and I want to make sure that they are. Um, so I think we need to... You know, that should have been one of the priorities with some of this COVID money to make sure that we don't get into a situation like this again where people are trying to access City Hall. And and it's not like I'm trying to take that away from people. Certainly, if people want to go to City Hall, they have that option. But I think we need to make it more accessible and more um, user-friendly to, you know, apply for a license at 11 o'clock at night. You know, if, that, if that's when it works for that business owner, I think they should have the right to do that. So uh, th- those are some of the issues that I'll probably be taking on in the first term. And just making it all overall easier to open up a business. You know, I think the, the CO process and the, and the permitting process is a little bit, you know, aggressive. And we need to take a look at that and see how we can make it easier and more convenient for people. All right, uh, we're going to grab a call, and then I'm going to ask you um, uh, about, uh, I'd like to ask you uh, what's going on in the city. I want to ask sure. you about the Longley building. All right. Hello there. What do you want to uh, talk about with Garrett? Uh, you know, I used to own a multi-family, a four-family house, yeah. legal form, mm-hmm. and I was only making 13 bucks an hour at the time, and all I wanted my tenants to do was pay as much of the mortgage as I was, yeah. and uh, on a percentage basis, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. But, you know, being a legal four... I don't get certain tax breaks that a three does, and even less than twos. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to pay for my own trash removal. How does the, quote, war on multifamily houses help lower the cost of apartments? Okay, thank you for your call. That's a good question. Uh, and if you're a multifamily property owner and you're in real estate, I think you are prepared to answer this question. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I don't want to create a war on multifamily owners. I don't, I don't see property owners as, as uh, outside property owners as the problem. What I, what I have a problem with is absentee landlords and people that don't care about who they rent their properties to. So that, that's the kind of people that I would so-called target, if you will. Uh, people that kind of rent to whoever don't, don't uh, you know, care whether they maintain the property or not. So I think the city has been more aggressive when it comes to that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I definitely want to make it more affordable to own a multifamily in, in Woonsocket. And hopefully that will transition to more affordable rents for people. So that's that's the goal. And so I'm going to ask you about the Longley building and then I'm going to ask you to incorporate another uh, uh, answer and question in there. Sure. Longley building. Quick update on what's going on. The Longley building for our listeners is that building to the left of the uh, train depot here in Woonsocket. And the other part of the question is, when you become a sitting member of the council, are you going to participate in any way filling some of these city hall vacancies, or is that strictly Lisa's problem? (laughs) So um, the Longley building is under construction, so they are doing demolition on the inside, um, getting it ready to be revitalized. And I think that's a project that we have all been waiting for many, many years, but I spoke to... uh, John Eno a few weeks ago, and he's you spoke doing, to who? Uh, John Eno is their property owner. Sorry, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, he's he's been working on that project, and we're pre- really really excited. Uh, he is partnering with uh, Les Pasboco, who has done many other projects there. So they're working on plans right now to be submitted for approval. So uh, we're certainly very excited about that, and we can't wait to see that building be totally restored and revitalized. So first floor commercial upstairs residential or uh, yep. Osigan or Lake. So I think it's what, uh, maybe about 18 or so apartments on the upper floors, and then uh, commercial spaces, probably about four, four or five commercial spaces on the bottom floor. Filling vacancies. <clears throat> so clearly that's, that's going to be a conversation that we need to have with the administration. Uh, the city council does not uh, participate in the hiring process uh, in terms of the interviews and that kind of thing. But we certainly should be talking about um, the advertising and how we're reaching out to people. You know, And I also want to do a little bit more of community outreach to fill some of the, the spaces. Because I think we've done some online advertising here and there. But I think we need to be much more aggressive um, and, and also have a more community-based outreach so that we ha- reflect the you know, population of Woonsocket. This guy, uh, Mr. Alves, former Woonsocket City Council, um, um, shall we say, he's not an appointee. He was just saying, if you sell a property, you get a commission. Um, did you uh, did you agree with that? Um, it seemed, as a layman, it seemed to work, seemed to get rid of some of these properties. But I think I remember you once at a council meeting criticizing that. Is that true? So I, what do you feel about it? I did reach out to the city council uh, in terms of having a real estate broker come in and sell property. Um, and uh, Councilman Kanoya agreed with that, and he uh, did an RFP. He actually sent it to me to review before it went out, and I uh, gave him some comments about it. And then um, they obviously I was one of the bidders, as well as another local uh, real estate broker, and they chose Mr. Alves. And, you know, Mike, Mike is a great guy, and that's great for him. But I can tell you that I, I do believe that that's the process that we should follow. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Scott McGee and myself have a lot of experience with this, so we can evaluate, you know, uh, who who we think the broker should be. But I can also tell you, Roger, that many local brokers were upset about the process, mm-hmm. and they were upset that they were not contacted and given an opportunity to submit the the RFP. You know, a, a lot of people <coughs> are busy. We're not we're not scoping out, you know, the Woonsocket website and the and the North Smithfield website and the Cumberland website. So I feel like that RFP should have been 
mail directly to the local brokers so they had an opportunity to to participate and if we decide to go forward with that and have other properties that's how i want to do it and i want to reach out to them directly and give them an opportunity so using a broker you're not against it it's just uh the process of uh, how you engage a broker. yeah i mean i want to make sure the local people are included as well too thank you for being with us i think it was uh, interesting thank you sir happy thanksgiving uh, to you and um, we'll uh We'll get to um, the next council member. I think we'll go with Mr. Beauchamp next. Sounds good. And then good. Uh, we'll bring in, uh, we'll let uh, some of these new council members get a, a council meeting under their belt, right? That would be only fair, huh? And I do want to encourage people to come to the holiday stroll, which is uh, oh. Saturday, December 3rd. I know we missed that, and that's, that's okay. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll see you there. So if you have like, other questions, it's 2 to 7 uh, from Market Square to Monument Square. All right. I'll, uh, I'll, we'll have a, an on-air phone call Friday morning show, and we'll, uh, sure. we'll develop that. Okay. Thank you. See you Thank later. You. Bye. WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.